Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Lionel Selwood Jr. to the show. Lionel is the CEO of Romeo Systems, Inc. He is an accomplished product management leader with expertise in operation management, financial management, lean Six Sigma, supplier development, strategic sourcing, and product quality management. His experience spans General Electric, where he graduated from the highly regarded operations management leadership program and owned profit and loss responsibility as manufacturing shop operations manager of a high-volume production facility and three fast-moving, innovative startups, SpaceX, Faraday Future, and Romeo Power, where he has held various roles, including Director of Procurement, Vice President of Engineering, and Chief Operating Officer. Lionel, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Roger. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Lionel, thank you for joining. Lionel, where are you located? I am located in Tampa, Florida right now. How's the weather out there? It's good. Well, a little cool for a Florida day, but it's fine. When you say cool for a Florida day, can you give us an estimate? <laughs> it's about 70, 79 degrees, but when I ran this morning, <laughs> it was 59. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean by cool for a Florida day. <laughs> so Lionel, I'd like to open the show by asking my guest the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? It would be that I am an avid musician. Uh, my primary instruments are percussion, but I, I write, dabble in some singing, um, some poetry. So that, that's a, something interesting about myself that I, that I love to share. So I love music outside of work. Have you published any work? No, I'm in the, in the not published any. I'm more in the background. I, you can hear my recordings on some of the Rising Stars Youth Steel Orchestra music that's out on iTunes or some of the other uh, music platforms, but that's about mm-hmm. it. And you said percussion. Percussion is very broad. Anything in particular? Uh, well, my specialty is drums. And in drums, can you narrow it down? Well, drum set, I, I do bongos, I do congas, timbales, you name it, I do it. If you can make a beat out of it with, your, with any of your limbs, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a video of my daughter when she was about seven years old with um, Home Depot buckets turned upside down and she's playing on them. That's awesome. And if you Google me, I... Uh, there's actually a YouTube video of me when I was at Syracuse University, where they did a feature on me while I was in Syracuse University marching band. Uh, so that gave you a flavor of how much I love to perform. You could just see my joy, you know, as I'm performing for the fans. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. What led, <laughs> you, to drum- what led you to the drums? What led me to the drums was really uh, my grandfather. 
in terms of he's always had music playing around the home and I would always be be tapping. And I just I just loved the making the rhythm. So just listening to the music and just coming forth, I said, look, I, I want to learn how to do this properly and be really good at it. So that's what I'm actually known for throughout the Virgin Islands, uh, in addition to, you know, what we'll talk about at Romeo Power. But that's that's what led me into it. That's a beautiful story, Lionel. Thank you for sharing. So Lionel, since you mentioned Romeo Power, can you give the audience an overview of Romeo Power and your role at the organization? Sure, sure. So so to your audience, I'm I'm the president and chief executive officer at Romeo Power. Uh look, we, we're a leading edge battery technology company and our mission is to advance energy technology and our vision is to end energy poverty. So really and truly, everybody that's working at Romeo Power so hard on a daily basis, we're all about making energy, green energy accessible to all, all 8 billion people across the globe. Uh, so right now, we're really focused on the commercial vehicle market. Really, we have some great partnerships that, that uh, we've been announcing and been talking about over the past couple of weeks since our announcement of the SPAC merger. So we're really focused on, on gaining share in that market while also seeding uh, other industries such as marine, aviation, and mining. Uh, so Raj, we have a real, what we say, uh, industry agnostic product portfolio, and we really like to dive into and give our customers the most safe, most reliable, most energy dense, and most configurable offering, offering no matter the industry. So, so that's, where, that's what we're really about. And it's all in the vein of, again, just ending that energy poverty. So our premise is put the best products in the hands of customers, uh, reinvest the profits into making the product even more insanely better, better than our competitors, continue delighting our customers to bring the cost down to a point where we can either do second life offerings or even some energy storage platforms to areas that are really, really screaming uh, for green energy. So you mentioned competitors. Obviously, the big ones in the room are Panasonic, Tesla. Can you share how Romeo differentiates from those two? So we differentiate, again, just from the, we do the tough stuff. Okay, so the reason we are focused on the commercial vehicle market is because if you're a fleet manager, you don't want any compromises in ROI or profit per mile. And, and that's the way we've always designed. So we, we break everything in the house before it goes on road, like I said, to make sure it's the most safe and most reliable. Our configurability is second to none. So within our products, Raj, we support anything as low as 300 volts to as high as more than 1,000 volts in the same pack offering. Okay, so this really allows our customers to put their vehicles on road sometimes 18 to 24 months quicker than our competitors. Because compared to competitors, if you have to switch a voltage level uh, midstream, you're looking at a redesign with our competitors rather than us. We're changing our one part, which is our current collector technology, and shipping you essentially the same product. So those are some of the ways we differentiate ourselves, really focusing on the safety, reliability, configurability, and energy density. So you mentioned configurability. If I'm understanding correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, they can use the same chassis, but just change the power output. Is that correct? Yes. Same chassis, change change of voltage to support uh, different system levels. So for example, one of our partners uh, with the pack that we're partnered with them on, 
they could support 405 volts, 805 volts, and 1,000 volts all within the same pack. And we just changed one current collector, for example. And also, we use the, the configurable mantra. So we, call, uh, we use a strategy that we call the building block approach. So, for example, we have uh, packs that are as small as 30 kilowatt hours, for example. So some of our customers, they'll say, hey, on this vehicle, I want six, 60 kilowatt hours. So obviously that's two. But on the other vehicle, I want larger than that, whether it's 120 uh, and going. So all you do is scale up and down your needs based upon uh, the capacity building block that we offer. And so when they're making decisions regarding the different battery packs, you mentioned use cases. Can you give some use cases of what kinds of vehicles? Sure. Any So we, we supply into any of the commercial vehicle space. So our portfolio covers anywhere from a class three all the way up to a severe duty class eight. Uh, so anywhere within that realm, why the customers love working with us is if you're a customer, you have six or seven different vehicle platforms. For the first time, really, you have a one-stop shop in, in Romeo Power. We could support your, whether it's your mini buses, your school buses. If you have a severe duty trash truck or cement truck, all the way up to a long haul. Under one roof at Romeo, we could support all of those vehicles for you. And you mentioned also marine aviation and mining. Can you kind of dig deeper a little bit in those three? Sure. So, so Raj, what we did at the beginning of the company, so first and foremost, we worked on a battery management system because we, to us, the, the firmware is as important or even more important than the hardware. Uh, but what we did with the hardware is we wanted to create an industry agnostic portfolio, as I mentioned in the opening. And what we did is really focus on developing our module. Okay, so our module is, is set up in a way where at the module level, you have a huge portion of the battery management system. You have structural integrity. For example, Raj, our module can, take, can do 25 Gs in any direction at the module level which simplifies the pack level design and also the vehicle level design. We have the configurability of the current collector technology that I, taught, that I talked to you about. Uh, so our module has eight different voltage variants that are possible uh, with our module architecture. Also, you have integrated uh, thermal management. So we have a proprietary thermal management technology that allows us to keep our temperatures Across the entire battery pack, less than 4 degrees C is actually tighter than that, but less than 4 degrees C is what we tell the market. Our customers are de delighted with how much tighter we can keep it. So my point to you is, since we put so much secret sauce and so much competitive advantage into the module, that really allows us to go after these additional markets that are kind of behind in terms of their adoption. So our Orion platform, for example, the same Orion platforms that are going into commercial vehicles are already in electric backhoes, for example, that's testing fine uh, and that are going into marine applications as well as some mining uh, operations with the same Orion battery pack platform, which is was the goal from the beginning. So let's talk about thermal management for a moment. How is your battery pack different from the competitors I mentioned earlier, specifically around thermal management? So around thermal management, again, so first and foremost, what I'll talk to you about is we don't make the battery cells, but we make it our business to know as much or more than the maker of the cells. So we have a battery cell test laboratory 
where we've tested upwards of 200 uh, cells and counting from 10 different players and counting. Uh, so we can tell you who is the best now, who is up next, and who is a few years out in terms of safety, reliability, and innovation. Okay, so we really, really, and truly start with the cell selection uh, as, a, as a gambit. Raja, I like to say that anybody that says uh, a cell is a commodity, they are absolutely missing the mark. They are not. They are not created equal. And the cell that you pick and put into your product is extremely critical. But after that, from a thermal management standpoint, like I said, we our technology allows us to keep that temperature difference uh, less than 4 degrees C across the entire platform, which essentially gives the cells a home where they're feeling great. It allows you to fast charger, uh, uh, charge faster. It allows you to manage the degradation of the battery over time, etc. So, So that's how it really differs. And again, that's all integrated into our module. Uh, technology, whereas others, it's not really integrated other than some, you know, a critical few players. So thermal management is extremely, extremely uh, important and is one of our key differentiating factors. So I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm understanding that yours is driven via software, whereas some others might be driven by, via some kind of liquid cooling. Is that correct? It's a combination, Raj. So we, if you ask me, oh, what's the one thing? It's not one thing. Uh, so inside Romeo, outside we touched on the battery cells a little bit, but outside of not making the battery cells, we have every other competency from the battery value chain standpoint inside of, of, of Romeo. So from the battery management uh, system standpoint, we do that all in-house. From the, We write our own code, and on the hardware side, we pick our own components, size the boards, even design the test apparatuses before sending them out to our PCBA partners. So we have a fully enclosed battery management system team, fully enclosed electromechanical engineering, structural engineering, thermal engineering, and even down to mass production. So it's a combination of all of those things. They're having all of those competencies inside Romeo Raj allows us to design beyond the battery. Okay, so our product offerings can work with any powertrain any integrator, any OEM, any fleet manager. And the reason we did that is because we did not want to be beholden to any uh, one customer or any one partner. Having those competencies inside allows us to open the really the floodgates in terms of addressable market and opportunity for Romeo. Sounds like a great strategy. Let's double click on aviation for a moment. Where do you think we are before we see fully electric? You're a ways out. Your ways out from it. Um, I'm not going to put a time a timeline on it. On the vehicle side, I I call this Raj uh, the uh, the electrification decade. I really I really do believe that between 20, 2020 and twenty thirty, we're going to see some amazing things on uh, the vehicle side. Now, I know in our aviation business, there's there's billions of dollars being spent there from an electrification innovation standpoint there are ways out. So what we've been doing is developing partnerships early, getting our partners uh, standing behind our technology and essentially growing with them from an innovation standpoint. So when they are ready to electrifying the masses, we will be right there with them. So between, let's say now and 25, look, you will see uh, electrified flights, you know, test fleets doing all of that. So you will see that, okay? So within the, the electrification decade, as we call it, 
you'll see advances in the aviation standpoint. But mass adoption for commercialization, I think you're 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 a couple you're ways out. You're even farther than the electrification decade from what I'm seeing today. It sounds like an exciting future. I recently interviewed the one of the founders of Rewiring America, and he feels the same way regarding this being the decade of electrification. Yes. Yes, it, it truly is. It truly is. And especially at, at Romeo, look, we have, let, let's talk about some, some tailwinds, especially at Romeo Power. And I'm excited about as a CEO of the company. So look, besides that industry agnostic, market leading battery technology portfolio, we have some key strategic partnerships that, that if you allow me some time to touch on, Raj. So we have a great partnership with Borgwana. So that de-risk our high growth business plan really allows us to continue optimizing our manufacturing system, uh, get cost downs in our supply base, and really focus on, on getting share in the European and Asian markets. Then we have Heritage Environmental, which we have a battery cycling second life partnership that we're very excited about and standing up. But as part of that partnership, uh, Heritage is going to electrify a minimum of 500 vehicles with Romeo Power Technology inside. So again, that's, that will give us the opportunity to work with a myriad of OEM partners uh, to really be in this pilot program and participate in the production portion of it. So you got the recycling portion and you have an electrification portion. And then we have our partnership with, with Republic Services, which they're a uh, strategic investor in Romeo Power. And the intent is to partner with them on a myriad of, of energy initiatives for decades to come. Okay, so we have leading edge technology, amazing partnerships. But then as you look, Raj, you know better than most, you have the regulatory tailwinds anywhere from California to 12 plus US states uh, to the European Union and even China. There's mandates that saying, look, you have to electrify, especially from the commercial vehicle standpoint. And if that's not enough, Raj, we also have the other tailwinds of the fleet managers and or the original equipment manufacturers committing to really driving their electrification strategies forward. So that's why I see this as the electrification uh, decade, because you have us at, at the center being the nucleus of this electrification decade. And, and everyone is finally ready and right to take this thing forward as an entire value chain. So let's add some clarity to three things that you said. First of all, I'm familiar with Borg Warner because I used to be in the automotive industry about 20 years ago. But for those that are not familiar, can you share a little bit about Borg Warner? So Borg Warner is a multi-billion dollar uh, company that's really reputable in the automotive space. Okay, so they have a myriad of products and they just closed their acquisition of Delphi. But anyway, for a motor uh, gearbox, onboard charger, offboard charger, power electronics, etc. They have an offering for okay. And Borgwana's mantra. I don't want to speak to speak for Fred and, and the CEO of Borgwana, but essentially, they are really set up well to take advantage of however the world shakes out. So they're in prime position to continue being a, a, a cutting edge ICE component provider, a cutting edge hybrid provider. And with the partnership with us, a cutting-edge electrification provider. So, Raj, if you look at it, just, just zooming out a little bit, uh, with Borgwana closing the, the acquisition of Delphi, uh, Borgwana, uh, Delphi, which is part of Borgwana, Romeo Power, you have Romeo Power Battery uh, Technology, Battery Management System, and PACS, 
within Borgwana Delphi is Power Electronics, Gearbox Motors, Inverters, Onboard Chargers, and Offboard Chargers. We have the ability to put forth a really compelling uh, powertrain offering. So I, I think that's something that's being not talked about enough, but that's part of our strategy together. And for those of you listening, if you drive any European car, there's an extremely high probability there are Borg Warner parts in that car. And you also mentioned second life offerings. Can you break that down a little bit? Sure. So, so with Heritage Environmental, it's two things. So we have, we have a recycling partnership, which I'll touch on real quick, Raj. So less or more than 90% of the materials in the battery value chain today is not recycled. Okay, so we have as a as a strategy and a goal with our partnership with Heritage Environmental is really having that be zero percent. We want all materials uh, be able to be recycled, put back into the front of the process and producing uh, high performing battery cells, battery modules, battery packs. So we're very excited about that from the recycling standpoint. Heritage Environmental has some proprietary uh, recycling methods that they currently employ and will continue to develop over time. So the recycling portion, that's our partnership. In terms of Second Life, uh, so Raj, we design our product with end of life in mind. Why is that important? That's important because as we're with our partners, at the end of life of the vehicle, if you will, let's say that's with a seven or 10 years, we'll have a lot of juice, if you will, left. We'll have a high percentage of battery retention. And there you get into several things. So with our offerings, we can either uh, take that, instead of recycling it with so much value left in it, we could power some buildings, for example. We could take a bunch of commercial vehicle batteries, string them together in kind of a decentralized grid. Uh, also, we could leave it in the vehicle and maybe do some vehicle-to-grid application as well. Uh, let's say another example, Raj, let's say you own a big construction firm, you're on a job site for two to three months, and you just need small battery bank available for some backup power, you could use the battery packs for that as well. Okay, there's also leasing models that may come into play because there's so much capacity left. So my point is, when we say second life, it will depend, and especially the way we design our product there's a lot of ways that our batteries can take on a fruitful second life after coming out of the vehicle initially. You know, I love that view regarding end of life. Is it your supply chain background that gives it that vision for end of life? No, it's not my supply chain background. It's actually my background coming up, uh, growing up in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. So Raj, going back to, you know, why I'm doing why I'm doing. So I started this to make sure, you know, my grandmother has light every day. Uh, so one thing I'll talk about, which are near, is near and dear to my heart, is even today in the Virgin Islands, electricity can go off for up to 18 hours a day, even today. And that's the U.S. Virgin Islands, by the way. So I grew up in, in a world where, you know, the electricity going off is an expectation and it hasn't got better. I'm talking about from the time I'm a kid to even now. Right. So that came from me trying to understand how can we help uh, ensure electricity in the hands of people that need it. So whenever I talk about this, normally people think about I'm not saying, you know, 
I don't think it's right. But most people say, oh, well, let's talk about Africa or these other places that don't have it. Well, I, I want your viewers to know that there's an energy crisis throughout some of the Caribbean, including the U.S. Virgin Islands. And that's what's really driving because I've lived it. I've lived needing that energy. If I had that energy, I could have read another book or I could have did something more productive or I could run my business more or I could get some predict productivity out. So I'm speaking because I grew up with that. I grew up impoverished from the energy standpoint. And that's where the end of life thinking came from. That is really interesting. And, you know, you mentioned the islands. I've had the pleasure of interviewing several people that have done work in the islands. And one of the things that I didn't realize initially, and, you know, others might not too, is just the sheer cost of energy that's that the right. islands, because, because they don't actually produce. Everything has to be imported. Mm -hmm. That's right, Raj. I think, and, you know, I apologize if the stat is off, but if we were state, I am pretty sure we would be in the top three to five most expensive states in the United States of America if we were a state, but we're territory. So it, it is it is terrible. And that's that's what's really driving the energy poverty, the ending energy poverty. And, and I'm really serious about it. And everyone that walks in the door on the first day, if I'm in the facility as they're going through their onboarding, you know, I impart on everybody our mission and vision. So, you know, we, we look, we'll be busy with commercial vehicles. We got to execute, continue on in the business of our partners, continue being the safest, most reliable, most energy dense, most configurable offering. But that's not the end all be all. We're, we're, all, we're all racing and, and trying to get better on a daily basis so that my son doesn't have to sit down and talk to Raj or, you know, who comes after about the same challenges that we're talking about. You know, I like that vision and I like to play a game, you know, Magic One, 2025, 2030. But sure. kind of walk me through, you know, in, in your mind, let's say Romeo is able to help end energy poverty. What does that roadmap look like? So that roadmap, so first of all, as I said today, this is a multi-generational endeavor. Okay, so let, let me make sure I say that. So the Magic One, over the next five to 10 years, we're going to be busy, uh, mostly with the commercial vehicle uh, sector, okay? So I think more than 70% of commerce is done by truck, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So we're really going to be focused there and performing uh, in this sector. But Raj, like you and I talked about at the top of the program, we're silently seeding the, the next frontiers, if you will, the aviation, the marine, the mining apparatuses or, or industries as well. So you will see us really starting, those industries starting to take off with, with our product inside of it. So what you'll see over the next five to 10, as I sit as a CEO of the company, is significant market share from the, in the commercial vehicle space from an electrification standpoint, and significant and growing share also in what we see as the frontier industries is what we call them, which is again, the, the marine, the aviation, mining, et cetera. So you see us being uh, busy there, not only winning with what we have today, we have some exciting innovations that we'll be executing upon within the next five to 10 years that you'll see uh, play a hand in us continue to take market share. And as part of the ending energy poverty, as we become a self-sustaining business, you're really going to see us uh, be more, some more philanthropic efforts 
as, as we go over the next five to 10 years as well. So whether that's, again, taking batteries that I have in the field and let's say deploying it in the Virgin Islands or deploying it somewhere somewhere that's needed. So being really selective and pointed about uh, advancing our vision, okay? The mission advancing and energy technology, that's happening every day. That's inherent. Innovation is what we do. But to, to get the eight ball moving towards the ending energy poverty, you'll see us really being pointed about maybe some philanthropic efforts or standing up our energy storage business in pointed locations across the globe. Now, you mentioned your grandmother earlier and some of the challenges you had growing up. And the question I have is, how do you balance taking a multi-generational viewpoint and maintaining you know, tactical goals on a daily basis? Sure. So that, that comes with mentality. So first and foremost, the fact that I'm talking to you, Raj, is is amazing to me. So so let me let me say let me say that. I, I don't I don't come from a place where this was supposed to happen or I have the privilege of talking to you. Okay, so it comes me personally as a CEO of the company, it comes from one being grounded in that fact. Okay, really thinking about how did I get here, meaning really standing on the, the shoulders of giants. I mean, anywhere from my my grandmother to my wife to my mentors, right? So being grounded in that first and foremost to be able to stand up straight and assess. But how you do it is, look, you got to perform. To You have to be able to connect the dots and say, okay, you're trying to end energy poverty. The way you actually make headwinds in, in doing that is becoming a self-sustaining business. The way you become a self-sustaining business is to make sure you're clear in your strategy, make sure you're extremely clear in the short, medium, and long-term goals that needs to be executed in order to reach there. So I like to say I'm always at least 10 years ahead, okay? And that's, but I need to know and plan out how do I get to that 10 years? So, right, something I'll tell you is my first day in, in January Electric, they were going around the table and they were saying, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? When it got to me, I said I wanted to be the chief executive of General Electric. That's what I said. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's probably crazy at the time. And obviously, I'm not the CEO of, of General Electric. But you know what? I'm the CEO of a company that is the nucleus of electrification. And we're really going to be on the leading edge of green energy accessibility. So my point to you is I set that goal and I, I charted out how to get there and nobody's perfect, right? But you have to be able to clearly see what the playing field is. How do you get to be in a self-sustaining business? And it's all in the vein of your multi-generational endeavor. That's how I look at it. That's a beautiful way to look at it. You mentioned GE. You've got some very impressive logos on your resume, GE, SpaceX, Faraday. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most valuable lessons that you would say you've learned about yourself on your journey? Valuable lessons I've learned about myself. Huh. So I'll, I'll give you a couple. So in terms of resiliency and adaptability is a must. So I learned I'm, I'm extremely resilient and extremely adaptable. That's, that's the first, first and foremost that I learned about, about myself on this journey. Uh, the second is impossible is nothing. So not only coming up and just my family 
my grandmother again, just driving, look, you can be anything you want to be. You just need to apply yourself and you're going to make some sacrifices along the way. But it really, in my professional life, it really came full circle when, you know, I worked at SpaceX and that's where I realized, you know, impossible is nothing. The reason that rocket lands the way it does and takes off is roughly because of the way it does in the Jetsons, for example, right? So if you think about that, the first time, I mean, Elon for decades now, right, since 2000 was uh, saying, look, SpaceX is going to, it's really going to just revolutionize the space industry. They were laughing at him, but you know what? He did it. So as I was in that environment by an Elon must run company, that's when I really figured out that, hey, don't say can't. They'll take can't out of it. You need to break things into first principles, learn it, and figure out how you make it better. The minute you say can't, you're putting a mental roadblock in front of what you're trying to do. That's not naivety. That's not you being unrealistic. What you need to be realistic about is you need to look yourself in the mirror and see how much choke holes and handcuffs you're putting on yourself, uh, preventing you from breaking out. So that's one thing I learned about myself that I really believe and embody impossible is nothing. And Raj, I'll give you one. The importance of family. Importance of your family and, and those that are closest to you is extremely critical. Okay, so many times you, you forget that. You forget that the people around you are so important. Okay, so, so I'll tell you, I, and I'm getting real personal, but I'll tell you a story because when we got the call that I would, you know, have the privilege of being the chief executive officer of Romeo Power, my wife gave me a hug and she said, congratulations, you did it. I said, no, we did it. And I meant that we did it because we're so aligned. Of course, we don't agree on everything, but we're so aligned in what we're trying to do and how we're trying to plan and the legacy that we want to leave. That's extremely, extremely critical. So I learned that you have to take your family and those around you very, very important. Okay, so our mantra, and I guess I'm giving it to the wall, is feed family and rocket ships in that order. <laughs> in that order. And that really is what I learned at mid-career. <laughs> but that, that's how we look at things. Line that's beautiful, faith, family, and rocket ships. You know, that's everything right. you just said segues beautifully into my last question. You mentioned resiliency. You mentioned being adaptable. You mentioned, you know, faith, family, and rocket ships. But if there's some specific words of advice, it could be personal or professional, that you can share with the audience, what would it be? Go beyond, go beyond your title. First, do your job really well, really, really well. But go beyond it. It is not enough to say, that's not my job. If that's not my job, at a minimum, your job is to connect with the person whose job it is, if you truly feel that way, and come to a common ground how you move forward collectively. That's one. The second is the importance of respect and team. Okay? You need to be able to talk. You're not above anyone. So what, one thing that we have in our companies, if I'm on the floor, not on travel, anyone in the company can either email me, text me, or call me, or give me some tough feedback. And that's just the culture we have, right? So humility, we're all human. Some have more accountability than others, but keeping an open door in terms of that 
is extremely critical. Respect, right? Just because somebody is a janitor does not mean you shouldn't build a relationship with them, make sure they understand where we're going. And two, they can give you feedback and you can learn. Okay, so that's that's really, really incredible. I'll give you a couple more. Knowing what you don't want may be as important as knowing what you want. Okay, so looking in the mirror and trying to figure out who you are, who you want to be, where you want to go. I encourage the viewers and, and my colleagues, my family, my friends, trying to down select where you don't want to go is extremely important. And the last one I'll say is in this data social media driven world, do not let that derail you from what you're doing. Uh, so Apple, as you know, has the, the screen uh, the screen tally of how much hours you're spending. Make sure it's mm -hmm. tailored towards learning and not towards an unrealistic competition against others, especially if you don't know the, de the details behind someone's journey. Okay, so those are that's the advice I would give. And last but not least, I would say your family again. M my support system is extremely critical uh, to what I do, what we do, anywhere from my, my son to my wife to my friends, right? It's very critical, my family. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Make sure it's a mutual. You're never going to things tit for tat. You're going to generally get to know people and develop together. And that's what I would say. Lionel, I think that's a beautiful place to end off. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Sure. One more thing. Again, Romeo Power, uh, really advancing energy technology, vision is and energy poverty. We, we're really on the leading edge of ensuring green energy accessibility to everyone. I, I like to make sure that people know we are the nucleus of electrification. We design beyond the battery pack to ensure our end customers have the most compelling product, whether it's on road, in the air, on the ground, or at sea. And I'll end it there. Lionel, beautiful vision, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Raj, for having me. I appreciate it, and you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Before we go, I'm excited to share that we've launched our comic strip, The Adventures of Mira and Nexi. You can find the first issue at our website, nexuspmg.com, under the Original Content tab. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.